Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Hired Geek Podcast, episode number 103, with Matt Unger of RoomPact. Uh, so I've known Matt for a decent bit of time. I visited him and uh, some of his team out there in Chicago. Uh, super great folks doing really awesome work uh, with their residential education platform. So I'm so pleased that I got this opportunity to uh, talk with Matt and share this conversation out with you all uh, so that you can learn a little bit more about him and his story and how uh, RoomPact came to be and just the really uh, thoughtful and intentional kind of just purposeful uh, really values-based uh, way that uh, Matt goes about uh, uh, running and growing his business. So um, you can check out RoomPact uh, and the other things that Matt mentions down in the show notes as usual. And as another reminder, please go check out our merch store that just launched. Uh, get the uh, logo of the blog and the podcast on a variety of cool items uh, and uh, just a great way to support the show. So after this brief message from our sponsor, this is episode number 103 with Matt Unger. This episode is sponsored by Degree.me, a one-stop college research tool for students. If you work for a college or university, you'll want to learn all about their ability to connect you with the right students at a budget-friendly price. To find out more, please visit Degree.me slash H-E-G. So super excited to talk with you, Matt. Um, and we've, we've met and talked uh, many times just about uh, all sorts of things. But like having this is a really good opportunity for uh, other folks to hear about the awesome work that you and your team are doing at RoomPact and uh, just get a little bit more context of uh, your journey and everything. So um, we'll start there if you want to introduce yourself really quickly uh, and give kind of a brief overview of your professional journey and how you got to be where you are today. Sure. Uh, thank you for having me on, Dustin. Uh, it's, it's such a pleasure to join you and i know we've had some good times together including one in a in a beer cade here in chicago <laughs> yes, um, yes. but getting back to my professional journey i'm the founder and president of RoomPact. we are a residence life and residential education software company we're a software as a service company which means we provide software to our clients and my background is actually in technology rather than student affairs. So when I was, I still remember it clear as day, I was 12 years old and my dad bought me the domain name mattunger.com. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was the coolest gift ever. And it kind of sent me down this rabbit hole of learning how to code, how to build things, how to build software specifically. And it ignited this passion within me, I suppose. So ever since I've been 12 years old, I've been learning more and more about how to code. I studied computer science and I always knew that I was interested in starting a software company. Now, when the time came where, um, where it was time to actually start a company, I didn't really have any ideas on what kind of software to build. So what I did was I tried a bunch of different things. Um, so my day job, if you will, was as uh, a consultant. I was a programming consultant for hire and I had hourly projects where I would help people build websites. Mm -hmm. That was my day job. And then at night I was trying to start different software businesses. So one of the first ones I tried to start was software for funeral homes. Um, but then what I found was, was that the industry was very difficult to break into. And I kind of went through that process through four or five different business ideas. Um, and then at that point, I was I felt like my back was kind of up, uh, up against a wall because 
I couldn't keep doing this over and over again if it wasn't right. going to work out. So at the time, I was living in Chicago in a dinky little apartment with a roommate, and we were having some roommate issues. Um, my roommate left a lot of dishes in the sink and he would leave for extended periods of time after doing that. And it was mm. just really frustrating. So as kind of a, a software geek, I guess I tried to think of ways software could help us. And that led me down this path of discovering the concept of roommate agreements and roommate agreements are they're kind of like a contract that you sign with your roommate. They're often used in the university setting. And this contract lays out terms of what roommates can expect from each other. And I found that they're really useful for especially first year students. Mm -hmm. they, they might not have had roommates before. They might have lived alone in a bedroom their entire life. And they don't really understand how to manage conflict or live with other people. So these roommate contracts or roommate agreements are a really great tool to just get them thinking and to lay out expectations for each other. And learning about these roommate agreements, especially in the university setting, I started to talk to what are called chief housing officers in the Chicago area. These are people who oversee uh, student housing at colleges and universities. So I'm fortunate to live in a big city where there are lots of universities, and that gave me a lot of opportunity to speak to people about what they might find useful in software for their department and for their students. So continuing down the path, uh, I gathered a lot of feedback. I started to build early versions of software that would help with this roommate agreement concept. And what I would do is I'd get the feedback, I'd go and build for a few weeks, and then I'd go back to everyone and show them what I built and get feedback. So it was this iterative process of show and tell and build and show and tell and build. And it was really fulfilling. It was awesome. And at the end of that process, I probably went through that for about six months. And we were, we had kind of a product that people were interested in purchasing. So at that point, the, the next move was to turn RoomPact into a business that was uh, used in colleges and universities like we are today. Uh, we've evolved quite a bit since then. Back then we were pretty strictly used for roommate agreements, but today I'd say we're a comprehensive tool for residential life and residential education. I guess, I guess I'm fascinated, like just hearing, I mean, there's so many parts of it, I guess, because like, one part of my brain is like, what happened with that old roommate? Um, and then the <laughs> second one, uh, just like all the like the different things that you kind of like, you know, uh, prototyped before landing on what became uh, room packed. And I guess just to clarify, was it literally like, was it just you kind of building out over those six months, what became room packed, uh, like that we know now? Or what, what, did you have other people at that time that were helping you with it? So at that time, it was just me. My then girlfriend, now wife, was kind of in the trenches with me. She helped on the non-technical side of things. So she helped me research what would need to go into this software, what roommate agreements looked like nationwide. Um, but more or less, it was just me for the first, I think, six or so months until I was able to hire a contractor first, someone who was able to come in and code a little bit so that I could go out and sell our software. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after that, we were able to hire a couple of other people full time. And now we're a team of a little under 
10 full-time people. Well, I guess then we'll just segue really quick just to make sure we can kind of uh, bring us to now. So that was, you know, just the the origin story of RoomPact. And I know mm-hmm. you've been working uh, now for a, a good bit of time, several years. Uh, and like you said, it's, you know, grown since uh, what it was originally. So if you want to just uh, explain a little bit about the work that RoomPact does now, uh, just so folks know. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been going for seven plus years now. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the early days, I would tell them when things were really difficult, things are never easy. But back in the early days when we had almost no resources, things were even more difficult. And I just mm-hmm. told myself, make it to 2000 days. Um, just put in one day at a time. And we made it well past 2000 days. <laughs> we have many more resources now. Um, so yeah, we're past seven years. But anyways, to tell you what RoomPack does, um, I just want to mention the evolution of student housing. So when student housing first started, it was very bare bones. It was pretty much just providing a room and a bed. And you got it that way. If you didn't like it, then that was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, to an extent, it still may be like that this way, or it still may be like that today. But back then, it was just very bare bones. Um, there wasn't much structure around it. And as student housing has evolved over the past 10, 20 years, we've been adding services on top of student housing and we've been adding learning experiences. And those learning experiences are typically managed by the ResLife or residential education department at an institution. It depends how large the institution is on if they have dedicated ResLife staff or not. But I would say ResLife and residential education are kind of the, the newest part of student housing, if you will. Um, They're still not exactly new, but the newest. And we found when we came into the market that people were administering their res life and res ed processes with kind of disparate systems. So they might have been using a Google form for this or some other little piece of software for scheduling. Um, And it was really just kind of decentralized. And as RoomPact evolved and as we grew and learned a lot more about the market, we built this comprehensive solution for administering residence life and residential education in your halls. And that leads me to another point back about my professional journey. I mentioned that I came into this industry as a technologist. Uh, Now I very much consider myself a student affairs professional. Uh, It's okay if if people dispute that, I totally (laughs) understand. But Nowadays, I'm extremely passionate about student affairs and student housing and residence life. It's absolutely my passion, and, and I consider it to be my life's work. Yeah, and that's awesome. I mean, because I think uh, I can certainly recognize there's almost like a, I don't know, like unofficial like code of like, oh, like what classifies someone as like a student affairs professional, you know, like what, <laughs> I don't know, it's inexact, but people, I don't know, they know uh, the markers of it. But I think it really is right. like, even just literally of like a higher ed professional, because like, I feel like I kind of take that moniker, certainly, you know, with this podcast being like hired geek and whatever, but like, you know, just broadly, like committing to this field of just like supporting students who pursue, you know, their educational goals through, you know, college and universities and everything. And um, I certainly also just have a soft spot for the work that you do just you know i came up as an ra and worked professionally as a resident director for two years and uh certainly know that uh that world of disparate systems and everything so Mm -hmm. um, i know that yeah you all are kind of working to make that a little bit more uh cohesive and everything so that's it's really great absolutely and that reminds me of ras specifically ras are big users of our software and typically the software that folks have to use in student housing 
is very technical. I wouldn't say those other pieces of software care very much about the user experience or interface. Mm -hmm. uh, and when we have RAs, student staff using software, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to get them to do those parts of their jobs. So I think it's really important to really prioritize the user experience. And that's something that we really do to try to get those RAs and other student staff members using RoomPack to the full extent. Um, I definitely see that a lot. Yeah, I mean, it even not, you know, certainly with student staff, because I think, you know, they're probably working essentially part-time and, you know, just have a lot of other things going on. But yeah, like you want to have uh, for anybody just the best user experience because it's like we build the system so we can track everything and like, you know, all that. So yeah, definitely really right. important. So kind of with all of that, you know, obviously you've been building up this tool over time to be a really, you know, comprehensive and cohesive uh, platform. So I'm curious, you know, with all of that, that you've kind of uh, grown uh, RoomPack to become, Certainly, we're amidst uh, kind of unprecedented times, and uh, mm -hmm. you know maybe just a lot of unanticipated needs like that might have come up for different Res Life teams. So, like how how you know, and maybe you could take this both ways of just like literally like how your team works. You know, obviously that's changed for a lot of people, and then also mm -hmm. like the work that your team is doing. You know, what you've built into RoomPack. So anything that just comes to mind of just how this current moment has changed. You know, you and your team's work. On the first point of how our team is working kind of internally, I got to say that we got a little bit lucky because back in February of this year, of February 2020, we decided to go fully remote work from home as a company. Uh -huh. So back in February, um, I negotiated our way out of our lease, which at the time it was kind of a big big price to pay. And I was a little bit nervous about it and I was uncertain, but we did it. We negotiated out of the lease and we did not have an office by the end of this past February. Come March, you know, two weeks after that, three weeks after that, the rest of the world was working from home. Mm -hmm. So we caught a little bit of a lucky break. We would have been paying for our office through the end of this calendar year and we wouldn't have been using it. So we got a little bit lucky there and leading up to February, this wasn't just an overnight decision to start working from home. So leading up to February, we had started to work on some internal processes of how we can best work from home and work remotely. So we had plenty of time to prepare. Um, there were still some uncertainties, things that we needed to, to improve in February. But then when we saw the rest of our friends and our family start to work from home in March, we kind of got to say, oh, okay, um, we're a little bit better prepared than the rest of some people maybe. So we got mm -hmm. lucky in that aspect. And then on that other, other point, I'll call that kind of the work that we do with clients. So how has that changed? We have seen um, our clients adjusting very quickly and it's been very, very difficult for everyone in, let alone around the world, but everyone in university setting, higher education, specifically student housing as well. Um, just because student housing is an aspect of higher education that has been, you know, very, very uncertain. So our clients, um, they've had some new requests for us this year. So things like helping them administer quarantine housing, helping administer surveys on who's comfortable coming to campus or not. Another big piece for us has also just been providing them with resources. So like you said, and like everyone else is saying, these times are unprecedented. So our colleagues in student housing have never dealt with anything like this. And the best thing that we can do is 
collaborate with each other, share resources, build resources. And we've been doing that as much as we can. That's great to hear. Because, um, yeah, I mean, that's just the idea where it's so difficult is like, yeah, it's unprecedented. So it's just like if there's like things where like, yep, we never thought we would have needed to build that in. Like and certain mm-hmm. things like, you know, they're, you're, the utility of certain things I can imagine, you know, would lessen and then other things where it's like, oh, well, that was maybe just like kind of like a little fringe part of it that we didn't really like, I don't know, like build out as much or I don't know, some people didn't even know that they could use it that way or something. I don't know, like there's some things where it's just like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, we, we can do that. Maybe we need to like do more training on that or just emphasize that, you know, like remind people that it's there and how to, you know, utilize it. and then just like literally brand new things of, yeah, like quarantine housing. Like, okay, well, that's like a completely different functionality than might have, you know, ever been anticipated so um there's just so much obviously yeah that's going on uh, kind of all at the same time to help people um, just feel like okay yeah we we can manage all this through what we have you know we don't have to figure out some other tool or platform now because of everything that's going on so um, absolutely absolutely so i think this will be an interesting one because i think it, it builds on you know you kind of thinking about you know how you were uh you know, utilizing space or maybe like not utilizing it enough to, to, you know, before all this was really going on, you were already thinking, you know, and yeah, the timing is like, well, you know, it's just uh, impeccable. Um, so uh, yeah, obviously, but you're, you know, you're saying like you were thinking of this far in advance. So, you know, I've, I've known you to be just really intentional about the way that you're growing your business. And I think if you just want to, I guess, kind of talk about that journey, because obviously like you're going through, you know, you're talking about like just the months of kind of, prototyping uh what you know room pack came to be mm-hmm. so i guess just talking about that philosophy that you've had as you've you know as you created room packed and grown it over these last you know seven plus years um what has been kind of like any guiding principles values or just like helpful like mantras or whatever that have helped you be i think just really intentional about the way that you grow room packed absolutely so it's a i'll say this question could be answered very broadly. I could talk about this for an hour. (laughs) So I'll just pick one topic that I think really differentiates us from some other companies in the space. And Mm. one of the things that's been really important to me as we build RoomPact is the fact that we are bootstrapped or self-funded, which Mm. means we don't have any outside investors who invested in RoomPact. And that's important to me because, especially in higher education, I think that slow, long-term growth is what's really important in a business. So we see other businesses who have big investors, they raise millions of millions of dollars um, in investment, and we do not want to do anything like that. Those people are more interested in taking the money, building a business as fast as they can, and selling it in something like five years. And we are not interested in that. We are interested in slow, long-term growth. You know, I've, I, I mentioned earlier that I consider this to be my life's work. And I very much do, you know, seven plus years in. And I know I'll feel the same way in seven more years. Mm-hmm. So by not having investors, we're able to grow at our own pace. And we're able to prioritize our clients. Our clients are the most important people to us. Uh, We don't have any investors to answer to. Our clients are our investors. And don't get me wrong, it's been very difficult to be a bootstrap self-funded business. Like I've told you, we had very few resources uh, at the beginning. 
I've cried a lot. <laughs> it's not easy. Mm. Um, I specifically, I, I skipped a, earlier, I skipped a lot of our kind of founding story of RunePack just in lieu of time. But I remember I made it sound like, oh, then we just went out to sell our software. Uh, it wasn't as easy as that. I remember we had a goal of getting five clients in the first year. And because we focus on student housing, we had to get those clients by the end of really July of that year. I think it was right. July 2013. And the end of July started to come and we had zero out of five clients. And if we didn't have any clients going into that first school year, we were just going to have to close up shop. And I just remember feeling so stressed and, and it was building up, but we weren't going to be able to have, you know, continue if we didn't get money. So I still remember I was in our dinky little office in downtown Chicago and I walked over to 7-Eleven and on the way, I got a call from the University of Hartford and it was Sean McQuillan, who's no longer at the University of Hartford. He's at Chatham University now, but I remember him on the phone saying, Matt, it's Sean. We're ready to move forward. Let's do it. And right there in the street in Chicago, I started crying. Uh, it was a very happy cry. It was a passionate cry. I was so excited. And after Sean and the University of Hartford, who's still a client, uh, after they moved forward, uh, we had five other institutions sign up for RoomPack that summer. So our goal was five and we ended up hitting six. Yeah, that's incredible. Because I guess what the, makes you think of is like a moment like that of like, alternate universe Matt. like there could have been a moment where like it's like you know you had this value of like you know we, we want to do this bootstrap we want to do it on our own like you know and that, that again that's like something i respect you just to be candid like i respect you so much for that because again like there are so many others out there that like you know they're they're doing great work too but it's like i can imagine that they just have that additional very kind of omnipresent stressor of like okay, we got to do right via the investors. And like, if we're not hitting these mm -hmm. like growth metric, you know, like, you know, they just got this whole other kind of can of worms to worry about. But, you know, alternate universe bet where like you're at this kind of breaking point. It's like, if we don't get a client, then, you know, we're not gonna have money. We got to like close up shop. And it's like, well, I mean, we could maybe like take out a loan. We could do that. We could do that. You know, like there's like this, like the, the devil on the shoulder kind of tempting mm -hmm. of like, well, I mean, we could take the money so that we have like some runway to give us more time to get client, you know, so you know, that there were those moments, I'm sure, maybe even, you know, many other times where it's like, oh, man, we're getting a little tight. Like, maybe we should consider that. I don't know, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah. And that was, that's a great point. And it was compounded by the fact that I was very involved in the Chicago tech scene, if you will, at that time. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of friends who were also starting software companies and the majority of them were raising money. And I saw how tempting it was and how easier it made things. Um, but now seven years later, they're jealous of me. <laughs> so in the end, it worked out still a lot of road ahead of us. Um, but it was very difficult in those early days. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. I mean, and I guess because you can spend a little bit of time here because I know too, it's something that I, um, had recalled and we had bumped into each other, I think at the, um, the conference and that was kind of, I think taking shape or it was just announced of like that you have this, like, I don't know, I mean, I don't know the right terminology, but in my head, kind of this like strategic partnership with ACPA, like you've really kind of, you know, dug in with them of like, and I, I'm, I'm sure I guess that that's kind of helping informing, you know, the intentionality in the way of like that, you know, you consider yourself sort of a uh, student affairs professional, like really committed to this work and being thoughtful um, in that way. So I guess uh, speaking about that, aspect mm -hmm. of it because i think that that because again you know any higher tech company that or you know most that i'm aware of 
you know, they're throwing money to just be sponsors and get a booth and do sessions and that sort of thing versus I think the way that you're going about it again, it's just so unique. And um, I'm just curious if you want to just speak uh, briefly about that of like, you know, how that came to be and what that means for you to be, uh, how I'm going to inform your work. Yeah, of course. Thanks for that, um, for teeing that up. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, so we are a strategic partner with ACPA. Um, we are, ACPA hosts a conference called the Institute on the Curricular Approach. And that institute really focuses on how to run uh, your res life department with residential education in mind. So it takes what you might think of a traditional curriculum in the classroom and it applies it to student housing and res life. And as we've grown, the Institute on the Curricular Approach has really grown. They started well before us um, and, and they eclipse our growth, of course. But as we've come up, we were the first um, company to go to that institute. And as a result of that, we kind of developed this really fantastic relationship with the institute and with ACPA. And we have a partnership with them. We've been formally endorsed as a software by mm -hmm. ACPA for providing this curricular approach. And like you said, we are a little bit different in that we're not just throwing money at organizations to get our logo out there. Um, we find it more important to actually interact with the industry and contribute and provide material and hopefully further the industry. I think hopefully is kind of the qualifier for all of this because we can try our best. At the end of the day, we still are a software company rather than practitioners in the field. So we can try our best to curate and release content and um, contribute to our industry. Uh, in addition to that partnership that we have with ACPA, I really like to encourage our staff to volunteer and to participate in professional organizations where they can. So things like contributing to boards of our professional organization or volunteering for those professional organizations. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. uh, and me, myself, I volunteer as a trustee on the ACPA Foundation. So that's completely separate from our partnership with ACPA, but that's, I suppose, practicing what I preach to the rest of our team. Yeah, I mean, it just makes so much sense because it, it is like, yeah, obviously you're going to be able to um, engage just deeper and understand like what do residence life professionals need. And I think just like, cause kind of what you're saying too, like it's, it's all kind of just connecting dots of like a lot of platforms out there are just like very technical and they help with the administration of housing for students, you know, like, and it's, that's kind of how you, you, you know, you had mentioned of like kind of how it was before and how traditionally it's like, it is just kind of bare bones, just like the administration of like who's in what room and just sort of like, you know, managing rosters of a building versus like, that and like, you know, a res residential education kind of, you know, platform and just having that philosophy and that like viewpoint on this work that like learning happens, you know, outside the classroom in the residence halls, you know, and just being able to, you know, help facilitate that and track that and kind of just quantify those things. Like it just, you know, it really is just, uh, um, I just think a very, very important uh, distinguisher for you all. And again, it's just something that I admire about the work that you do and how you approach it. So um, I'm so glad that we could uh, kind of help to highlight it here. And um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, thank you for that, for recognizing that. I appreciate it. It's something that we um, work hard on. It's something we put a lot of time into. 
Um, and you really hit it on the head when you said it's our job to connect these dots. So like I said, we are not active practitioners of, of all of this. So it's really important for us to have our ears to the ground and to talk and to interact with as many people in our field as we can, because that allows us to do our job in the best way that we can. Uh, and that reminds me of one conference that I went to probably a year ago. I was invited to this conference by one of our clients, and I got to sit at a round table of senior housing officers who were just very candidly kind of sharing notes, and they were talking about what difficulties that they're facing. And it was just so informative for me and it was an incredible experience. And, and I wouldn't have been able to kind of get that experience and that knowledge had I not kind of knocked on as many doors as I can to try to be involved in the field. Uh, we don't want to be a software company that kind of sits uh, at, you know, 10 feet away from the people doing the actual work. We want to um, hear as much about it as we can, because that allows us to do our jobs the best we can. Well, yeah, because I think that it's either like, you know, I can imagine some companies, it's just like, you know, you, you build it and it's just there and, you know, you maybe just like squash some bugs and it's just kind of like, you know, I don't know, like you build it and you think that they will come versus like mm-hmm. kind of continuous improvement, like getting the feedback, good, bad and ugly kind of thing. And just like really, yeah, just like opening yourself up to that. And like, I think even if some platforms might like create new features or do different things like they could be like thinking of it in a vacuum of like oh i think that we should do this like that could be cool or whatever it's like mm-hmm. like does anybody even want that is that something that you like you've you know kind of solicited exactly. feedback on or those sort of things so um yeah I, I would hope that uh you know uh just like any of i mean it's not even just like the other like res life you know technology uh companies and those sort of things like just any education technology company like i i hope that they uh you know take some cues from you, follow your lead. Cause I think it's just a great uh, philosophy to, uh, to have. And just like to take that time, you, you know, even once a year, you know, just like immerse yourself in those environments as much as you can to, um, you know, it's like there's no other way that you're going to be able to get insights like that unless you're like in mm-hmm. the room, you know, and um, kind of hearing them firsthand. So, um, so we'll kind of now move on to some of the, um, kind of the fun stuff or just like kind of the stuff that's on your mind, um, that you're thinking about and engaging with. So, um, of course, uh, I always love asking this one, uh, and certainly right now, you know, we'll take it of just like, you know, quarantine life or maybe, uh, I know, uh, we're both uh, new parents. Uh, so mm-hmm. for some people that I ask this of, they're just like, I don't have time to do anything much <laughs> other than like kids books or whatever, you know? Um, but I mean, yeah, like, what are you geeking out about right now? Like any like quarantine hobbies, uh, anything that's grabbing your attention right now that you'd like to share? Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, it is difficult to find time um, as a relatively new dad. But one of the things that I really wanted to do when my son was born um, more than a little more than a year ago now was learn Spanish. So Mm. I would say that that's my biggest quarantine hobby. That's what I'm really totally geeking out about is learning Spanish. Uh, I started... I learned Spanish in middle school and high school and a little bit in college, um, but I just kind of let it die a little bit and didn't follow along anymore. But I started to take it really seriously after my son was born because I want him to learn Spanish because I think it could be so helpful um, just living in the United States. So, yeah, I've been really obsessed with Spanish, I think, to 
learn a language, you have to have a little bit of obsession about it. So uh-huh. any, any free time I have that I'm not doing, spending time with my son or my wife or exercising or something, it's, it's learning Spanish. Are you, are you using an app or like a, what's like the way that you're facilitating that? Yeah. So one of the primary ways when I started was to listen to podcasts and audiobooks. And when I started, I understood maybe about 5%, 10% of what they were saying. Um, but over time, it was really frustrating at first. But over time, you just kind of start to pick up on words. And now I can listen to podcasts and radio, and I understand about 80, 85% of what they're saying. Um, I also use this app called Pimsleur. And they have, it's like, Overall, 150 days. They have one session for each day out of 150 days, and it's a 30-minute lesson where you're listening and then speaking. Um, so that was really how I kind of kick-started it, um, was by doing that for 150 days. I think it might have taken me like 175 due to taking a break here or there. Uh-huh. Um, and then now I use this app called italki, I-T-A-L-K-I. And italki connects you with people um, who speak Spanish and you pay a little fee for them to tutor you. It's not, it's usually at an hourly rate and it's people who are in Latin America and other places where they're just natural speaking Spanish. Uh, They naturally speak Spanish. And um, it's been so fascinating, not only to learn with them, we do these lessons they are an hour each and it's a hundred percent in Spanish typically. Um, so it's been fascinating to learn, but also feels like I know I'm paying them, but I've, I, it feels like I've made some friends and I've gotten to learn a lot about other cultures and especially during the pandemic, how other countries are dealing with all of this. Fascinating. Um, yeah, I mean, cause I was just curious, cause I know that there's like just an abundance of, you know, different ways that one could, uh, uh you know, learn a new language, uh, different platforms and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, it's cool to hear what's been useful for you. And I think, I mean, that, I know that that's even like what, you know, in school, like you'll do that of like, okay, we're going to like watch, you know, a movie that most people are familiar with, but like totally in a different language. So it's like, okay, well you might've seen it before. So you kind of know what's going on. So you can kind of mm-hmm. be like, Oh, well that I know what they're talking about. So like you kind of start to pick up on the words or like, yeah, just right. like repetition. So, right. Um, and it is helpful if you have seen it before, like you said. So like mm. I, I try to watch movies that I've already seen or I found copies of I've watched the TV show The Office like 10 times in English. So <laughs> watching it in Spanish is really easy because I know what they're saying. Good one. Yeah, that's that's a very good idea. <laughs> I mean, like that, that would work for many people. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, great. Um, well, then I guess, you know, you know, you already mentioned, obviously, like the tools that you're using for that. Um, you know, the language acquisition. Um, but any other like resources that you'd want to share, uh, maybe stuff that's relevant to, you know, the work that you're doing um, or other kind of like all time favorite reads or podcasts or anything else uh, that we could put in the show notes. So apart from um, all of the Spanish podcasts and books that I'm listening to or reading to, I think my biggest recommendation would be um, every time we hire someone new at RoomPact. I give them, I send them a little box full of RoomPack swag and a couple other things. And included in that box is two different books. The first one is a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And the name admittedly sounds a little bit shady, but I think it's a very good book on teaching personal communication and understanding how to communicate well with other people. So 
that's a, a book that I really recommend. I try to read it every year or two, just as a refresh. And then the other book included in that box that I send is called The Only Personal Finance Guide You'll Ever Need. I give that to each each one of our new hires, and it's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, it's great when a book is very uh, like the title <laughs> is just like that's what it is. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's great. So yeah, we'll link out to those. Um, and I guess are uh, is there any other like uh, podcasts? And I guess I'll just say though too because I know that you have stuff um, on like the Roompack website. So like there's resources on there that I know that you all have curated. Um, so. Um, we'll make sure that we're obviously linking out to that and ways to connect with Great. you and uh, all that. But um, anything like any other podcasts, I guess I'm, I'm curious as just like a super fan of the medium. I always try to see like yeah. if there's one that comes up like every episode or something like, okay, I got to listen to it. So um, yeah. Any, anything that's uh, in your listening diet? Well, I don't think I'm going to be very helpful in finding podcasts that are brought up again, because I'm looking at my podcast app and the main one that I listen to is called Espanolistos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and another one is called Conversations in Spanish. Um, other than that, I, and then Espanol con Juan, of course. <laughs> but other than course, that, I, I can't say that in the past year, I haven't really been listening to any English podcasts. Before that, I usually focused on tech and entrepreneurial podcasts, things like how I built this. Um, but lately, I have, have been really focusing on Spanish. Yeah, I mean, I respect your commitment, but uh, it's good to know, I guess, like the those podcasts in particular, so we could uh, uh, link out to those too. So, um, sure. awesome. Um, so, we always like to end things on an optimistic note. So, um, we will uh, just wrap things up with this question of what are you looking forward to right now? You know, it can be very broad, specific, whatever comes to mind. Um, just to yeah, just end things on an optimistic note. I love it. What I am most looking forward to right now is just watching my son grow and experiencing that with him. Um, at the end of, if I ever have a long day or a difficult day, when I get to see him, all of that is erased. Um, Mm. and it's just so fun to watch a tiny human learn things and experience new things. And he thinks when I do goofy, goofy things that I'm really funny. Um, (laughs) I have a, an immature sense of humor and he, he's the perfect audience for me. So I'm just looking forward to experiencing life with him and, and with my wife and the rest of my family. Yeah, absolutely. Cause yeah, I, I've remarked about that so much. I'm just like, you're watching like human development in real time, you know, like day to day, like they like yeah. learn and grow so much and stuff so, versus it's like, Oh yeah. I mean, I took like, you know, psych 101. I, you know, I learned how like <laughs> humans like grow and learn. I was like, Nope, you're watching it in real time. Um, it's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's so so fascinating. And I think it's like one of those things, just how I appreciate how you kind of capture that, because it's like one of those things where it's like completely just like within your control, you know, like where it's just like you just get to be there and engage with your child and, you know, just enjoy those moments, you know, because there's like so many other things where like, well, I'm looking forward to like maybe how this thing turns out or that I might be able to do like but you, you don't know like when, you know, you might be able to do that trip that you want to do or when you know, like that's out of your control to a certain extent. So like, right. That's like when you can right. kind of like scale it back, recenter and just like focus on just like your family and being there for your family and enjoying mm-hmm. those moments. It's like, 
yep, you can do that uh, free of charge as much as you want, you know? Um, so uh, that's a very, very, very good sentiment to end on. So, but yeah, I mean, thank you so much for uh, all that you shared and taking the time out for the podcast. And like I said, we'll have ways to uh, connect with Room Pack and uh, the works that you and your team are doing and all the other things that you mentioned uh, down in the show notes. So yeah, just thanks again so much. Likewise, Dustin, thank you so much for hosting me. This is a fantastic podcast. I love all of your contributions to higher education. So thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.